John Schechter. We're live on MicroConf on Air. How you doing today? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Doing okay. I'm hoping that this buffering stops soon. Come on, get there. Get there, YouTube. All right. Yeah, it typically clears up and we get some higher resolution as we go. I feel like I'm sitting too low in this chair here. So are you in a comic book store presently? No. Um, no, but I thought wall art would cheer up my uh, my background. It's really nice. I have a bad camera here. I, um, my proper camera is in my co-working space. And um, I don't know if you know, there's kind of a bug going around at the moment. So uh, must just be in the UK. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm trying I'm trying not to go there and get get the camera. So you're, you're stuck with this. Yeah, I feel you. So for folks who don't know, you are over in the UK. So when they see you uh, sipping on a brewski, it's not noon where you are, as it is for me. Am I right? What type uh -huh. of beer are you drinking there? That's it's a Budweiser. I'm uh, I'm being local to to you guys. <laughs> what? You... <laughs> That's so what? I, what? I don't even drink Bud, and I live here. It's like made here. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, well, let me uh, let me do my intro, and we'll, we'll get into it here. So, this is day nine of MicroConf on air. I'm your host Rob Walling. This is Shai Schechter. He's the co-founder of Right Message, and uh, let's see, he's at Shai Schechter on Twitter. If you wanna if you wanna follow him, thank you so much for joining us once again for day nine. MicroConfOnAir.com is the easiest place to stream this. You can also go to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/MicroConf. If you wanna ask questions of Shai, you'd wanna be in MicroConfConnect.com. That is our Slack channel where we have many hundreds. I know we got 1,200 applicants and then sent invitations. I don't know how many I need to talk to producers Andrew and figure out how many actually uh, folks are in the group right now, but new new folks are being added daily. If you're a founder or aspiring founder and you want to be uh, you know, in a group with a bunch of other ambitious um, yet sane software founders in a heavily moderated environment, um, that's MicroConf Connect. Um, let's see. Oh, two other things. So my, the MicroConf on-air podcast uh, is live in every, everywhere I could find. So I searched it in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, just search for MicroConf on air. You can subscribe to that right now. We're pulling the audio feed out of, of this video um, and putting it there, you know, of the MicroConf on air broadcast. Longer term, since we don't plan on doing daily content, uh, you know, for the rest of our lives, um, longer term, it will be, we're gonna have different formats and different, you know, MicroConf related um, audio snippets. Speaking of not doing it daily for the rest of our lives, um, next week, we're going to transition to doing MicroConf on air only two times per week, Tuesday and Thursday. Um, you, you know, we want to continue, continue doing it, continue having a, a, a you know, twice weekly distraction. Um, but we have found that kind of the daily cadence for two or three, we're, you know, essentially doing it two and a half, three weeks um, has worked. Uh, but we, we want to make some adjustments and try to, um, you know, try to double down on it. So we will continue in addition to that, we're gonna continue doing Zoom happy hours inside of MicroConf Connect, but they're not gonna be live streamed anymore. And we're just gonna get folks together as we've been doing for the past couple Fridays. And then we break up into separate small Zoom groups. And so we'll have more details about that, um, you know, in on Twitter and MicroConf Connect if you, wanna, if you wanna find that. But this week, of course, today I'm talking with Shai. Tomorrow we have a, a really, it's like a breaking news one hour, stream um, that is a conversation with Anar Volset and Brennan Dunn, where we'll be talking about um, the US government's efforts, um, the, the bill they just passed and the pay, payroll 
paycheck protection something. It's PPP is what it is. Um, we did a, NR did a big write up on it. He wrote, you know, read the hundreds and hundreds of pages of government legalese. So you didn't have to, if you go to microconf.com slash latest, you can see that write up, but he basically summarized what's hundreds of pages of, of a U.S. government bill. And then tomorrow he's going to answer our questions. Uh, both Brennan and I have questions for him about how it works from startup and freelancer perspectives. And, um, and then we want to take questions from from the Slack group. We want to take live questions and uh, and ask him. So that's exciting. Tomorrow we'll be doing you know something else on Thursday, and then uh, come back to you next week on Tuesday. So thanks as always to Basecamp and Stripe, our headline partners for the year. And let's roll in to start to talk to Shy. So Shy did a really good microconf talk in Europe uh, about microconf Europe about three four months ago, four or five months ago. It was called Write Message Year One. From seventy-five, from a seventy-five k launch to virtually bankrupt to product market, it was well, well received. And then Shy came on startups for the rest of us a few months ago, and um, we talked through it again, and you know, and, and dug even deeper in. Um, so we're going to be taking you know your listener questions at Microconf Connect. But before we do that, Shy, how you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How yeah. are you? I'm good. You easing into the to the evening there? Is it 7 or 8 p.m.? It's 6 p.m. 6 p.m.? 6 p.m. on a Tuesday. Um, yeah, you know, I have so many places to be after this. So, yeah. So we yeah, living room, kitchen. Um, <laughs> living room, kitchen, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, weird times, weird times. Indeed. And so right message, if folks don't know, uh, obviously they can head to rightmessage.com, but how, uh, how would you describe it in a sentence or two? Um, yeah, so Write Message is, at its simplest, is a call to action tool. So we make it real easy for you to put um, to put opt-in forms, those kind of things, onto your website. Um, but they will convert better than your typical opt-in tool because they help you learn a little about a little bit about your audience, about the person who's visiting, and then tailor what you're offering them based on that. Tailor how you're speaking to them based on that. So bit of segmenting people, personalizing people, getting them onto your email list and then selling more to them um, not bothering them with things that they don't want to see or things they've already bought and just showing them a more relevant experience. Sure. And then in your talk, you talked about you and Brennan getting together, starting right message, launching it, having a really nice launch, raising a round of funding um, that was from a bunch of angel investors, myself included, and then um, finding that you didn't have product market fit and actually starting to slide towards uh, essentially what you called it bankruptcy. It was like, go, you were going to go under, you know, you were going to not have enough money to keep keep making payroll and everything. And then you did wind up finding product market fit. And um, that's actually our, our first question. You found product market fit sometime last year, if I recall. And Nick from Dentally in MicroConf Connect says, it was a great talk. I was wondering how the journey has been over the last few months since we left Croatia. So Nick was at uh, MicroConf Europe, so he saw your talk and uh, wants to hear an update on the last five months or so. Yeah, so it's been good. It's been it's carried on in the direction that it kind of was going at the end of the talk, which was churn was coming back down again. Um, churn was kind of, that was the big issue that was eating into, like we had people coming in we just had people churning as well. So churn has come down. Um, and I mean, we're still refining it. We're still, I don't think product market fit is a, like it's a, is a binary thing. So there's still more that we're doing there, but 
uh, MRR is up, uh, churn is down. We've kept the team small. We're not going to um, increase that prematurely. Um, and I mean, obviously, given what's happening now, that's that's proved to be a fortunate place to be. We're seeing one or two cancellations come in with with coronavirus, with people just trying to cut expenses across the board, um, which just kind of makes us grateful that we're not still in that place of of uh, of not being a loss-making business because that would have just accelerated that. But um, yeah, we're very happy with it. Very happy with it. And um, yeah, continuing to, to grow and still tweaking things. And hopefully hopefully we'll be able to, if we can keep growing, even with everything that's going on, then uh, perfect. We'll see. Yeah. And that's that's the tough part, right? Is you're, A, I completely agree with you. But my view of product market fit has always been that it's not it's not binary, it's a continuum. And you just kind of tick that notch up with different people. First, you get, you know, a decent amount of product market fit with a very small group, and then you get more with them. And then it, that group expands and you, you know, it applies to more and more. So there, there's a lot more nuance to it than acting like it's a one or a zero in a database. Um, folks can actually go to writemessage.bearmetrics.com and see your stats. You guys are just about to hit uh, 30k MRR it looks like you're at 29,770. Um, and yeah, I guess like all your stuff is, that's right. I was going to say, yeah, revenue turns down to 8.8%. Have you found, um, how, how have your, has your thinking changed on, uh, or I guess really the question is, how do you feel about having your metrics public like that on bare metrics? Is that something you feel like has been benefit to you? Has it been a detriment or has it mat just mattered at all? I'm not convinced that it's made a massive difference either way. Um, the thing is, they're not entirely accurate anyway. Um, we have various filters on that and various other things that will give much more accurate numbers than what's in bare metrics, um, which are what I took out to put in the talk in, in Croatia, because you get things like, especially early on, we'd have um, you might have one larger customer that's skewing things. You might have one-off revenue that's being counted because of the way it goes through Stripe. It's being counted wrong. There's a lot of stuff that, like, it's not entirely accurate. I We put it there originally because we wanted people to be able to follow along and see what was working and what wasn't. And we just wanted to be as transparent as possible. Um, in practice, just given that it's not 100% accurate anyway with everything we're doing, I would probably say that it would be just as beneficial to publish updates from time to time to help folks understand and also with analysis like with you know the numbers on their own don't tell the story so i wonder whether whether it's actually more beneficial to publish updates from time to time telling folks what's happening why we think things have happened maybe maybe more useful but um sure. but it's good it's apart from anything else it's good that the investors can easily jump in and see things when we send the updates to them sure there's so, yeah, a question it, from YouTube yeah. that it's from Tristan Bailey and he says, uh, I'd like to keep hearing about your, I'm trying to understand this question. I'd like to keep hearing about your team's product journey. So I wonder maybe he's asking like, what have you built in the past five months or what, you know, as you're trying to refine and get, get fit with more people, what has that looked like? Has there been a major release or some major, um, product, you know, adjustments over the past five months? Yeah, so there's, there hasn't really been 
it's not been like a huge the, the big the big change we made i think it was before the talk in croatia was that we did this kind of mini pivot to really focusing on the opt-in tools rather than the more advanced right. tools where you can personalize all the messaging on your website and we did that as kind of an easier entry in for people who who were new to segmentalizing um since then quite incremental in terms of the updates it's been a lot of it has been like just getting parity with the other basic opt-in tools like we had the more advanced segmenting and you could see that that was really helping people with their conversions but we didn't when, when that launched like we didn't have image support we didn't have like much by way of designing your opt-in widgets there was a lot of stuff that the basic tools could do that we couldn't because we we went in with kind of our usp first and then filled in the gaps afterwards um and so so yeah a lot a lot of it has just been catching up on the on the more basic side um in terms of in terms of what we've been launching yeah and that's the it's the interesting double-edged sword of entering a crowded market is it, 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 the sword cuts both ways because you're entering a crowded market, which means there are a lot of people interested in the tool and the market is you know, verified. You have to get heard above the noise is the first thing. You have to have some kind of audience, some kind of reach, some type of marketing that is gonna get you to the top of, of some stacks. And then getting to feature parity in some of these spaces is really hard. And I mean, you're not even in the worst of them. You know, can you imagine building a CRM or an ERP or an ESP or another three letter acronym that I could just make up and everyone would nod along because we don't know what it is. But it's like, those are brutal. I, I was imagining trying to build, let's just say we we're gonna try to build an ESP today. Like we could code for a year, two of us, and I bet we still would not be a parody with a MailChimp or a, a Drip or a you know ConvertKit or something. I mean, it's just there's so much in there, and so I think with I think that's stuff for for people to think about, right? As you're as you're entering a space, is that the more mature the space is, because like you know a counter example or a different example is like um, Stripe metrics and analytics back five years ago. You know when Josh was first launching Bear Metrics or um, maybe that was six or seven years ago, podcast hosting over the past two years, still a relatively nascent and new space, but it's developing. When you get into email marketing, you know, we're, we're 15, 20 years from the first ESP. And so there's just, the products are really mature. And so there is a difference between entering a market with a lot of competitors that's a year or two old and entering a market with a lot of competitors that's 20 years old because of just how much you have to build to get parity. Yeah, and to some extent, like to a certain extent, people will forgive you not having some of the basics if you are genuinely doing something that's really beneficial for them. The difficulty is that it's very hard to know to what extent that holds true. Yep. Because when you have people saying, you know, you can you can do all your customer interviews and you can find out, you know, all your customer development and you'll find out that people are sick of their current tool because it doesn't do X or because they wish it would do Y, and you can build X or Y, and they just haven't mentioned the fact that, oh, by the way, I also really need those 10 things that it already does, and there are other things that I don't need it to be doing, but it's it's, it's quite hard to judge which which things you do need to get parity on and which things you can kind of hold off till later. Totally agree. It's really hard, and it, and it, it almost varies person to person, right? It's like we could go in and say, Microsoft Word 
is a big bloated piece of software, you should remove 80% of the features because I never use 80% of them. But you know what? We don't all use the same 20 and that's why they're all there. And it would be, you know, Google has done a decent job competing with it, frankly, to build a more minimal uh, set, uh, feature set. But if you look at authors who are writing books, they're not doing it in Google Docs. They're doing it with these special templates in Microsoft Word because they're, it's just more powerful. So yeah, it's, I'm not saying that you have to, um, certainly not saying you have to replicate an entire feature set and then add one or two features to be unique. As you're saying, I mean, I think we're both agreeing, like you can, you just need some of the basics, then you add on your own spin because you need that, that value prop that's a little bit different, you know, because if you're just the same as everybody else, why would anyone leave a competitor where they're already there? Because switching costs are non-negative, non you know, non-zero. Uh, non but yeah, if you build 20, 30% of the features, finding out which 20 or 30% to build is really hard. But if you can do that well, and then add on a couple of, of yours, you can get to product market fit with a small group. And then you just expand from there. And over time, you do get you get to a mature product. Yeah. Now, one thing I, that I kind of noticed that I thought was really interesting is as we got closer to product market fit, we started the feature requests that we would get from customers all started to converge on the same things. Mm, that's cool. Right, early days, you'd get a ton of feature requests and there would be no coherence between them. And then you're like, this yep. is mad. Do I need to build all of these? Do I need to, like, what's, how do I reconcile right. this? All and I think, the place. yeah. Yeah, and I think the answer was you can't reconcile it. What's happening is people don't 100% know what the product is for. There's not like one audience, one kind of person, one whatever that you're targeting. Everyone wants different stuff. As we started to hone it in, you'd start to get on the same day five people would request the same feature. And you're like, okay, I can see there's- like, We're on the right track. I feel like we're getting somewhere here. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That lines up with my experience as well. We have a follow-up question from Nick from Dentally. He says, you mentioned issues with bare metrics and weird billing like large one-off annual payments on Stripe. How do you work that out internally to get the true numbers? So I think he's wondering about the mechanism. Like, are you pulling them into a spreadsheet or do you have code that has an internal dashboard? Yeah, so some of it is filters and things on in metrics itself, where you can just kind of exclude, like, we know that this customer doesn't count. We, knew, we always knew that they were coming on, paying us a lot of money for a few months and then going. Like, we're not gonna count that. That's, that's gonna skew our numbers. So let's just filter those out. Um, Stripe Sigma as well is really good. Um, Stripe Sigma is it's a feature within the Stripe dashboard that um, gives you like SQL database querying mm -hmm. across all your transaction data. So you yep. can um, you can just dig out some, you can exclude the right things, you can dig out the right things from that and then save that query for later. So those have been useful as well. Hmm. That's interesting. All right, check in the Slack here for more questions. Well, now's the time when we just stare at each other. Awesome. There are worse people to stare at, Mr. Walling. Yay, why, thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, no, we don't stare at each other. I, here's a question I have for you. In, oh boy, Xander always puts the joke. I don't have a joke today. He hasn't um, used his sound effects yet. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay. There we go, okay. So a priest, a rabbit, and a minister walk into a bar, and the rabbit says, I think I must be a typo. <laughs> because rabbit is a typo. Yeah. 
I didn't and topical. hear. Oh, hey. I love it. And topical. So uh, from Vulcan, and yeah, suddenly questions are flooding in now. They're like, oh my God, don't let this happen. <laughs> I, I had a question for you. I was just kind of vamping. But uh, so Vulcan says, how how is affiliate uh, marketing going? Any tips to make sure it goes well? So you have been doing some affiliate stuff, not right? You want to tell people what, you know, what you've done to date and uh, kind of catch yeah, us up and so answer his question. We, we've had an affiliate program more or less since day one, or at least since very early. Um, anyone who recommends someone else, who refers someone else in gets 20% for life of, uh, of whatever they pay for the product. Um, and we also, because we have, so the opt-in widgets that people are putting on their website, the right message widgets also have like a powered by right message link. If someone clicks through that and then signs up, then you also get a kickback. You can disable that branding, but then you lose out on the affiliate money. So um, I'll be honest, we haven't, it's not something that we've massively pushed. So we have it there and it does bring in a fair amount of our revenue. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not an avenue that we've, uh, that we've massively like really focused on at any point. It's never been the like, we're going to really push that to try and drive things. I don't know what would happen if we did. It might, it's something that we could play with, but we've just kind of had it there in the background and it has brought in a decent chunk of, of money. That's interesting. Is it because of the, because most of the time, if you just set up an affiliate program, it doesn't do much. It doesn't bring in much revenue. And so do you feel like it's the powered by link that has, has had that power? I speak from experience because I remember with drip, our powered by drip link, I used to track the numbers there a lot and it was uh, it was a non-trivial amount of traffic. Um, yeah, so I would need to have a look at exactly how much, but a lot of it does come through those links. Um, we, did do, we, we did also do a few um, kind of specific outreach things. So we had, we've done various things with Pat Flynn he promotes it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. he's, he's a big affiliate um, and a few others. So, so there have been, there have been a few here and there who have kind of people have, a lot of it is just people writing articles linking to us. Um, mm -hmm. So those people will typically seek out whether there's an affiliate link. Um, and then, but otherwise, yeah, I would, I would need to look at the numbers, but I think the powered by is, is a lot of it. Yep. And, and that's the thing, right? Uh, for most people, affiliate marketing is a, a 95.5, it's not an 80-20, it's like a 95.5, where like 5% of your affiliates, and I would include your Powered By link as one of your affiliates probably. 5% um, brings in 95% of the revenue, it's way outsized because there's only so many people with really large audiences, and if people don't have really large audiences, they just don't tend to drive much, um, you know, much revenue. So look at, I, as I keep saying, Look behind me, I can't because everything's reversed. But does anyone see the pantry opening behind me and some kid with red hair going in? Yeah, go ahead and get that. This is awesome. This is real life streaming from your house when you tell everyone that. to leave the floor. Yeah, but some kid walks in with a blanket and, and red hair. So, who was that? Was that hey, Finn no. now has red hair? Yeah, that is Finn. And he hey, just Finn. Dyed, it, dyed it for the first time uh, ever. Finn says hi to everybody. Uh, a couple more questions here because we are getting short on time. Uh, Tony from Cloud Forecast says, any favorite questions you like to ask when you are asking for product feedback or features? And by features, he means, you know, to find out what features people want, would like you to build. Yeah, good question. Um, what do we ask? We do a lot of, and I think this gets talked about 
often, but we do a lot of asking about as much as possible, asking about what people have currently got going on and what they don't like about it, rather than asking them kind of what their future self would do and what their future self would like. Um, because it's, yeah, it's, um, people will get, people will really passionately tell you the things that are bothering them with their current setup yeah. much better than if you just ask them, like, what would you like this to do next? Come up with an idea. Yeah, be a visionary. And you've never built a product, but what would you like in this product? And here, I, I love that approach, number one, because people are people are aware of what bothers them and they're able to communicate that, especially a layperson, someone who just is not a developer, not a product person. They can describe what they don't like about either their current pain point or the current product they're using if they're using a competitor. The other thing I found is um, when you ask people, we used to ask when we were building drip like what what should we build next what do you think we need it was always a laundry list of what mailchimp did it was like well you should have a mobile app and you should have you know mailchimp if you hover over this thing it shows a you know and these numbers and these metrics and we were kind of like look mailchimp's a good tool i always had a lot of respect for him but i'm not gonna just replicate that tool you know unless there's like real value in building those features it's not just what you're used to it's how can we go back to first principles and almost level this up, you know? So there, there are dangers, I think, in asking simple questions in the way you're doing it, I think is uh, probably more beneficial there. Yeah, or the alternative, which is they give you their, they tell you what they would love to have next and then you just need to work it backwards. Like, why why would you want that? Like, what, where yeah. would that help? Where would that help what in your current process? What is actually solving? Right, a lot of people propose yeah solutions like i need a checkbox to do this and oftentimes you got to dig in and say why do you need that checkbox oh you can actually already do that with this other way or there's a much better way we kept getting requests to build these complex flows within automation rules and within all this stuff and we eventually realized we need we don't need those flows we just need to build a visual builder a workflow builder and that was what came out of it was a bunch of different you know requests that kind of all all fix the same thing yeah, uh, perhaps our last kind of, question. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, kind of ties into what we were saying before. Like, when you start to get a lot of the same feature request again and again, that often tells you something. But you also get these things where you yeah. feel like you've got 10 different feature requests, and then you ask them why they want that, and they all want it for the same reason. They've just all individually come to their own possible solutions. And you're like, okay, now we can. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we know that you all want the same yeah. thing, we can figure out the best way to deliver it. Right, and that's the best. The best epiphanies as as product designers that Derek and I used to have with Drip specifically was exactly that. When we get all these feature requests and we're just agonizing, like, oh, we can't build ten different features. This it'll become a Frankenstein. It'll feel like you know it'll be a crappy product experience, and it's a lot of work. And we you'd combine it into one thing is like, wow, all we have to do is add the ability to add a tag on a delay, and it fixes all these things. You know, it's just these crazy insights that like these are like you know dish like while you're doing the dish insights or, or like shower insights where it's like that's it and it all connects real quickly yeah. uh, last question for the day tony from cloud forecast says what are the essential funnels people should be considering and building with right message uh, do you have recommendations on best practices to start with you guys have a nice library right yeah what a like, wonderful question that it looks like i planted i promise i did not um we have just relaunched um our recipe book um, we were calling it a recipe gallery for a long time. And then I'm like, recipes do not live in a gallery. That's, That's yeah. Um, Rightmessage.com slash recipes. Yep, it's in the top yeah. nav and there's a bunch of um, basic blogger funnel, content upgrades, card abandonment for course creators, uh, lead generation for law firms, NPS customer survey. 
SAS playbook. Yeah. Yep. So we'll add more. I mean, there's, I think there's one called like basic funnel. And if yeah, you're not right, sure where to start, that is that is the one. Like do that, you will get more conversions. If you don't, then I mean, like you may have to play with the question a little bit, but like it that that should already work for people. Um, yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't reach out to us, we'll help you tweak it because they're done right. That will that it will boost conversions. It. And that's that's a big thing right now, you know. And and we've is that we. We've kind of for a long time we've we haven't done as much of pushing how right message can improve your business metrics like a lot of there's a lot of kind of oh yeah it's a nice to have but will it actually make a meaningful difference and i think especially current climate like we're now really accelerating like drumming home the fact that it really can and, and we can really help people to increase the metrics that they need to be increasing right now right i think that's a really and, good yeah point. those recipes should, get more. should help start yeah, don't spend more money driving more traffic right now. Ease off the accelerator a little bit, but optimize what you already have coming in, right? That's essentially what you're saying. Yeah, if you can yeah, if you can if you can get more conversions, you can get more people onto your list or more people buying for the same traffic or the same ad spend, that's you know. Yeah. That can be good That'll right. Do now. It. Yeah, I've been talking to producers Andrew about um implementing this uh, right message and the microconf site, the robwalling.com, you know, just kind of all the, the web properties that I work on. So uh, when I saw the recipes came out a couple weeks ago, I was like, all right, I think finally I can, I can tackle this. I wish I only had one site to do it on, which is what's been holding me up is I probably have four or five that I need to do it on. And so it's going to be a um, bit of a, yeah, a task, um, a project, if you will. Just pick one, Rob. I know. That's what I'll do. Should I sign <laughs> up? And I, I can, should I do, if I do five websites, uh, can I do them all in one right message account? Or should I sign up for five accounts? You can sign up once and then it's, it's the team system is exactly how it was in drip. So okay. you can have one login cool. and then Very five well sub teams. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, sir, we are at time. Thank you so much in the chat. I want to make sure there's, um, yeah, yeah. So thanks so much for the folks in microconf on air chat. Um, and let's see. Uh, if you want to follow Shy, he's at Shy Schechter on Shy SC. Shy SC. Oh no. Shy SC. You're right. Uh, I tweeted at you earlier, and it automatically picked. Um, I'm glad you corrected me. So it picked SC. Uh, Writemessage.com, of course, if you want to find out what he's working on um, tomorrow. Same time, same place. We're doing a one-hour Q&A live stream. It's on the US government COVID-19 financial assistance for businesses, for startups, for freelancers, for consultants. And it's we're really focusing on the payroll protection program. Einar Volset, as I said, at the top of the show did a bunch of work <laughs> summarizing this, you know, 800 pound thing into or 800 page thing into, you know, 40 bullet points or something. And so myself, Anar, and uh, Brennan Dunn, other co-founder of Right Message. It's, it's honestly totally coincidence. <laughs> you guys right are Message to Week. I know, it's great. So he'll be on and we'll be we'll be chatting up with Anar and, and trying to dig it out and you know figure out what's uh, what the perch is for everybody. So um, youtube.com slash microconf. And Shai, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Stay healthy, stay inside. You too, man. It's always good to see you. All right. See you guys tomorrow.